Golf Podcast, presented by Golficity, where we bring you the tips, instruction, and support you need to get the most out of your golf game. And now your hosts, Frank and Mike. Hey guys, welcome back to the Golf Podcast. This is episode number 375. I hope you enjoyed last week's show. <laughs> that was a fun one. You know, as much as we enjoyed it. Yeah. I watched that podcast probably four times. Four times. You know, just to relive you get to the relive trip. It. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, reliving it. And that's a big part of why I love doing those podcasts on location. Mm-hmm. And if you guys didn't see that episode, that was our episode from Pinehurst. And whenever we go to these locations, we always try to scout out a nice place to sit and talk. You found that place. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that would be a great backdrop. It was beautiful. This will do, the cradle. Right behind We always me. try to outdo ourselves with the backdrops. So on these trips, that's one of my things that I'm scouting. When I, the minute I get there. Right. You know, yep. where are we doing the pod? Where are we going to do the pod? And I tell you what, the big announcement is that that, that was just kind of a, a taste, a preview of, of the Pinehurst series, which is going to be premiering on all of our channels, on golfacy.com, uh, YouTube, Facebook Watch, everywhere on May 20th, and we're going to have an episode each week. We'll also be rolling out our other videos in between, but uh, always, I mean, it's it's one of the most enjoyable, most fun things that I look forward to is these travel series yeah. and getting a chance to kind of really showcase what it was like being there and how much fun. And for us too, fresh eyes, first time in Pinehurst, we learned so much about it and we just instantly learned that it's a place, why it's it's so many golfers love it and why we have to go back there. We definitely have to go back. I mean, we're going to probably hit the South Carolina run next time, but Pinehurst, again, in our future, there's still other courses there that we didn't even touch. Just so many courses around the surrounding area. I know we talked about that. Yeah. But, um, you know, I love those kinds of episodes where we can just digest the whole trip. Right. So we we had a we have a pretty cool, you know, itinerary over the next couple months. We went to Pinehurst. We did that. We're back. We did a playing lesson at Ledbetter last week, yep. which that video should be coming out soon. You guys will love that. Um, and then we're going back to Crystal Springs. We're bringing our wives. We're doing an overnight stay and play. We're going to film. We're going to do some crazy stuff at Hollowbrook on a closed course on Monday. So, guys, the video content is just starting. Just going to keep coming. It's just going to keep coming. And so anyway, like go back, check out last week's episode. You'll hear all, all about Pinehurst. Um, but speaking of which, it's mm. a good segue. You mentioned the playing lesson, uh, which we just did. Yep. And I think a lot of what we're going to discuss is going to weave into that because today we're going to talk about five tips for playing more consistent golf. And this is something that so many of us chase after, whether it be mental or something you need to do with your swing to play more consistently. Because I think something that's frustrating and it does definitely frustrate me is knowing that I can hit the shots because I've I've hit good shots. I've hit a lot of good shots, but then hitting the bad shots that really, and and I did this during the playing lesson. I was telling Tom, who was our instructor that day. And I told him like, this is where he saw me play a couple good holes. And then I had one hole that was, I I had messed up two shots in a row. I'm like, this is where the wheels kind of come off and why I just can't quite knock on that door of shooting those scores. And by the way, if this is your first time listening to the podcast, we're, we're not instructors, we're not professionals, we're people who just love and like really enjoy learning this game and, and working on getting better and enjoying it where we're at. Like I'm not the type of person who's always chasing better to the point where I can't have fun where I'm at now. Mm-hmm. I think you got to be able to ha- enjoy the game no matter where you're at. And it could be, you could be shooting 120. You can go out there and, and have a smile on your face because it's, it's just a fun game. But And the challenge is part of the fun of it. Right. But, you know, I'll be like, I'll hit two bad shots in a row. I'm like, I just don't get it because like I can hit that shot. So why didn't I hit that shot? So consistency is something that's so important. So we're going to talk about five ways that you can really introduce some more consistency into your game and consistency immediately translates to better scores that's just the reality yeah you're right and you know what you said before every time i go out i like to try to improve on just one area of the game Mm -hmm. so when we were walking off number two we went to tobacco road my drives just like weren't really great that day 
I mean, I started to I started to figure it out like towards the back nine at Tobacco Road. It was like the twenty eighth, thirtieth hole of the day. But yeah. then for the rest of the trip, remember my theme was I wasn't firing my hips, and I started to create this little mental note of firing my hips. A little Matthew Wolf thing. Little Matthew Wolf, little leg thing. And uh, I think on number eight, I had some of the best drives of the trip, so the best drives of my life. Yeah. And then, um, you know, so little things like that I like to work on when I go out there. I don't like, I like to try to break everything down. I just say, today I want to go out there. I want to focus on getting the hips through and getting some good drives. And that's it. I love how you say, on the 28th hole of the day, I finally figured oh, it out. I figured it out, right? <laughs> <laughs> There's so much in that sentence. It took a bit, but yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, that's too funny. But uh, yeah, I tell you what, I mean... It, it's something like I said. It, it's it can be frustrating if you, you you need to improve in certain ways. But I've also tried to even while I'm out there take a little bit more of a positive outlook on things. Like if I end up hitting a bad shot or if I put myself in a bad position, instead of trying to always think about score, because at the end of the day, I'm not playing competitively in a tournament. No, at the end of the day, nobody really cares what I scored right. that day, but me, mm -hmm. right? So I just kind of shift thoughts and I try to say, well. You know, yes, I'm short-sided in this greenside bunker, but that's not great for my score, but it's great for my game because it's an opportunity to work on something. Right, right. And when we were out there working with Tom Reynolds, who's the um, the instructor at the Ledbetter Academy, Academy at Crystal Springs, he kept saying one thing that really would stick with me is he'd be like, see this, this Frank, this is, this is something, this shot, I'm going to kind of like help guide you through it. But at the end of the day, the only way to really be good at this shot is to practice it. He said, this is one of those shots, make a mental note that you, you have to practice this when you have time, mm -hmm. long bunker shots, uh, uh, certain shots where it's buried in the rough. At the end of the day, you can only show you so much in one shot, right. but it's about making those mental notes so that you get better at it for the next time you see it. So I thought that was really and, important. And what was the key phrase he gave you that you that you're living by now? I'm living by this. So he said he said very simply about shifting your focus. He said shift your focus before each shot to to what you want to do, not what you don't want to do. So for example, uh, how many times have we say to ourselves, "Don't hit it in the trees." We always look for the negative when we stand up to the tee box. Oh, there's right. water left. Well, we're always trees sending are right. our our mind. Our mind is sending our body signals of what not to do. Right. So we're saying, "Don't hit it right. Don't uh, skull this chip shot. Don't decelerate." So then the focus that we end up doing during the execution is on what we shouldn't do. Right, flip the negative to a positive. Right, mm -hmm. so focusing on what you, so instead you can shift it to what your do's might be, might be do, hit it, land it in that spot. Instead of focusing, yeah. like let's say you take it's just a chip shot. Instead of me focusing on not decelerating, and that's my only key focus, my focus instead should be like, Get the ball to land there. Yeah, pick a do spot follow through on your chip yeah. to get the ball what up in the air and land it. What to do? Like, you know, pick a target, fire at it. So I've been trying to really work on that, and it really did help. And it just shows you how much the mental game, and mental game is such a big part of the consistency because you take yourself right out of it when you start to talk yourself out of a shot. You'll be surprised how many times you tell yourself, even if you don't say it out loud, but just in your in your mind, you say the words, don't do. Don't, don't do, do, right. Don't do that. Don't hit there. Don't do it there. It's just, you got to break away from that. You do. And I think one of the best ways that you break a habit is by first bringing your awareness to that habit. So just first become aware of when you're saying the don't. Mm -hmm. And then from there, you can start to realize it when it happens and shift your your thinking. But yep. all about pre-shot routine, putting the pre-shot routine. We've talked about that here on the show before, and I'm sure we'll talk about it even more. Absolutely. Um, I want to uh, dive into this week's Twitter tapping because, uh, as always, we've got a fun question here. Before we do so, uh, I want to do a, a quick word from our sponsors, the first being Titleist. And guys, 
They Titleist introduced the brand new Pro V1 and Pro V1X featuring longer distance, softer feel and increased control. Uh, it really does help you bring your best. And we talked about this when we were in Pinehurst. We said, here we want to have a ball that we know can, can can perform when we ask it to. Right. If I I may not be the best golfer, I may not pull off the best shot every time, but when I do hit that shot, I want to make sure that the golf ball can like, I can rely on the golf ball to to do what I need it to do. Bite, turn, whatever it may be. And with with Titleist Pro V1 and Pro V1X, you know that's going to happen. And we were lucky enough to get out there and test them both at Manchester Lane. Uh, and one thing that absolutely blew me away was the way they were able to introduce a softer feel to my ball, the Pro V1. Mm -hmm. uh, that softer feel was what put me over the edge. And I'm like, I'm locked and loaded now because I love the AVX. Great performance out of the AVX. And I liked how soft it was. But I got a little bit better trajectory out of the Pro V1. So I'm like, can these two just have a baby? You know yeah, what I mean? Right. And that's kind of what happened. So I'm getting that softer feel out of the Pro V1. It's something you got to try. But you're getting longer distance, softer feel, more greenside spin and control. Uh, and then with both the V and the X, it really comes down to like that trajectory. You get a little bit of a higher trajectory out of the Pro V1X. So if you're somebody who needs a little bit higher flight, especially getting to hold those greens, the X might be for you. But it really is the next level of total performance, and it helps you bring your best. So get out there. Try them. Try the new version. It is it is just uh, incredible that the way they Titleist is able to continue to advance on something that has been the gold standard. Of golf balls, they just for keep so improving long. it every year. It's, it's crazy. Just, it's just, it just gets really better and better. Great what they do. Um, also, of course, want to thank Footjoy. Footjoy, who really, in a lot of ways, helped us get through that Pinehurst trip. Because trust me, you're playing 36 a day, and the and the first day was so grueling because it was a you had to walk number four, and then immediately after number three was cart path only that day. Yep. And I feel like cart path only, I walk just as much as if I walk the course. Easily. There were so many times. If not more. I'm on the other side of the fairway mm -hmm. and I'm walking back and forth. So it's an easy 20,000 step day. Uh, so you you really need to be able to have some something on your feet that you can rely on to perform, to keep you comfortable. And one thing that really did it for me was the new Premier Series. Wow. I, I, I the, the very next day, played number two in Tobacco Road. I ended up, I wore him for, the, for number two, kept him right on through Tobacco Road. Just really great. But it's yeah. all about finding the right shoe for you. So you can now get matched up with the number one golf shoe for your game by going to footjoy.com and checking out the new FJ shoe finder you answer a few short questions um you know you can find the shoe that fits your playing style fits your preference whether you like to walk or ride if you like cleatless spiked um really there's something for you I'm loving these yeah so those are awesome the camo flex the camo yeah. yeah and it just there's that's just proof that there is definitely footjoy has that lineup where there's just going to be something for everyone and they can find the shoe that fits for you so you guys got to check it out go to the it's the fj shoe finder it's free it's a cool little tool on their website you pop in a couple of questions about where you play how often you play some of your own personal preferences and what it really does is it helps you to narrow down this huge uh vast amount of shoe options that they have to a few that that 
are really narrowed down to your particular preference and situation, but visit footjoy.com slash shoe finder to check it out. Give it a quick look. You might be surprised with some of the suggestions that they come up with for you and you're going to find the right shoe for your game. And the good news is there's so many options. There's something there for everybody. Absolutely. There really couldn't is. Couldn't make it any easier. Nope, you couldn't. All right. So this week's Twitter tap. And if you're not already following us on Twitter, make sure you do so at golfissy so you can hop in the conversation each week. And this week we ask, what is the longest golf hole you've ever played and how'd you score? And there are some long holes out there, Mike. There are some ones out here. Let's see who we got. All right. So one right off the bat, a boot. He says, uh, I'm going to see if I can pronounce this right. Le Bucari golf club. Uh, he says it has a par six, 677 yards from the whites. Jeez. 751 yards from the back tees. He said, last time we played the back tees, I was on in five, two putted. I recently played the whites and got a par. Wow. I got to find out where that course is. It is in, it sounds like a Canadian course. Yeah, it does sound Canadian. Yeah. Because of the French, but yep, uh, unbelievable. Uh, Keith says 605 yard hole. He said he went driver, three wood chip, two putt for par. Awesome. Yeah, that's wild. Um, I, our own Eric Benzenberg says 18th hole at Cherry Creek Golf Links is a 644 yard par six. Uh, he made par once and double another time. He goes, "There's no saving the score when you're stuck 500 yards out in the rough. <laughs> 500 yards out in the rough. Yeah, yep." Well, that's a tough one. What else we got here? Alex Napier, 650-yard par 5, blind tee shot over a hill, and a blind shot to the green scored a double after hitting my second OB. Yeah. That's got to be a challenging hole. And Jordan Isaac says, par 5s and 6s are cool, but have you ever played a 200-plus-yard par 3? Talk about long. Yeah. We have. We've played a we fair share of them, and you're right. That is one of... I think that was that's one of the most intimidating shots in golf. I think so. When you get up to a very long par three because you realize You're like pl- what yeah. you need to do to make par there. Yeah, our handicaps at that point are playing for bogey on that hole. Yeah. You know? But you know what? I, I have one in my, in my mind. Uh, when we played the tips from Pound Ridge, we played, I think it's, what is it, the third hole? It's the third or the fourth hole is a par three. Uh, we played the tips. I still remember that day was, I think, 224. Yeah, you stuck that one. I hit hybrid and parred it. Suck it, yeah. I hit hybrid and just, I was just amazed to get on that green. Yep. That's a challenge. But that's why I love that hybrid. That hybrid is not only a club for me on those long hauls, but any long par three, I love to pull that out because I can get it nice, uh, nice and up in the air and, and, and hopefully stop it on the green. Oh, yeah. Um, Nolan says probably a, a 645 yard par five. Uh, so here's here's Zach. You said six ten par five. So, so there's a lot of over six hundred yard par fives. Right. And I did go to La, La Brocarie Golf Club. Check the scorecard. You are right, seven hundred fifty one yards from the black. But the rest of the course looks relatively short. They probably just tip that thing out. Yeah, and, and, and it's, at least they're giving you the benefit of making it a par six. There is they are. at Baltusrol. I think is it the seventeenth hole? Seventeenth hole. That when they tip it out for the uh, what do you call it? It was it for the U.S. Open US, for the PGA, PGA Championship. When they tip it out, I don't remember the exact, but we went back and looking. I think it's a seven hundred yard par five. It was, yeah. I think, seven handle. Yeah, and someone I don't know, I don't know if it was like driver who was Jason Day. Someone like driver one iron. I think or, Jason. Yeah, driver one iron to the green. Something like that. Can Insane. you imagine? These guys are nuts. I mean, they're hitting a 350 yard drive. Then they're hitting a one or a two iron. I'm going driver, driver, yards. driver, wedge. 
It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's, it's ridiculous. They're playing on a whole different level, obviously. <laughs> right. That's why they're playing for a million bucks every week, and and we're we're paying twenty bucks Wait. for these. <laughs> exactly. Uh, if we're lucky, twenty bucks. All right, Mike. Let's do a quick word from our sponsors, and then I want to talk about these five tips for playing more consistent golf. Sure thing. So, uh, first off, just guys, don't forget to get over to our YouTube channel and subscribe. We got a ton of giveaways that are going on, and we're actually just about to do our first driver giveaway, if not already. Uh, one, we're giving one driver away every single month. That's right. Six months in a row. We bought six drivers. They're here. We have them. So get over there. But I want to thank Golf Tech. We are loving working with them. They are helping us with our game. We're going to be back over at Golf Tech to shoot another video or two. Frank and I are going to be doing some lessons. Mm -hmm. We're going to do a podcast there as well. But they still have this awesome offer for our listeners. One that you really can't beat. $75 swing evaluation. A $75 club fitting. Um, you know, and and you can't really find that anywhere else at this point. A lot of places that I went online, I saw 150, 200 full bag set fitting, like 400. They add up. Not these guys. They're going to let you in. They're going to welcome you with open arms, and they have every single tool at Golf Tech that you can imagine. So it's not just you know a certain select number of brands. They've got them all. They've got the shafts. They've got the club heads. They will fit you all the way down to the grip. And then, guys, when you're there, you can take the skill assessment. You can't take the skill assessment unless you go into a Golf Tech and either get a fitting or a lesson. That's their rule. You can't just go in and do the skill assessment. So take a lesson or get a fitting, and then right after that, go next door and do an assessment. It's 29 shots. You will love it. Yeah. It tells you a lot about your golf game and where you need to improve. Such a great baseline. You know you can come back you and come back improving. And, exactly. There's, this is the number one thing right now that I get DMs about is people asking, if, is that Golf Tech deal still good? Yeah. And we just shoot them the link. What's the link? Golftech.com slash golficity. You can't get hurt. 195 locations in the United States. Yeah. So there's definitely one near Grab you. Grab the deal. I, we don't know how long they're going to keep this one active. They did it as a special little, uh, you know, when first jumping on here as, as one of our newer advertisers. And it was so cool to see them give back with this great deal to hop on. Yeah. That's all I can say. It is still live. I just checked it this morning. So get on that and want to thank ShotScope. Um, and we have another giveaway coming soon with ShotScope. Speaking of ShotScope, we're about to take a really fun challenge at a fun green in New Jersey where we're going to be partnering up with ShotScope and to give you guys v3 watches oh i love it or or we don't even know yet it could be range finders could be g3s but guys products are going to come out based on our performance that day mm -hmm. how close we could stick a green that i'm not even going to tell you it's pretty much impossible but we're going to do our best guys yeah, we're gonna try. and if we fail we promise we're still going to give stuff away so let's talk real quick gps devices range finders if you're in the market for one if you haven't bought one yet you're still looking don't look past the shotsco pro l1 range finder it's got that um Pin lock, pin lock vibration, which you've really only seen on these $400 models. Uh, slope adjustment, which you know you could just turn on and off for tournament play. Uh, the weight of this thing is super light. I mean, you look at it and you're like, how, you know, all this power packed in this thing, how is it 200 bucks? Yeah. You know, it's pretty wild. And let me just say, I lived by it when we played number three in Pinehurst. You needed it. You, because I, I always rely on my shot scope watch for my front, back, middle distances. And that's pretty much gets me through almost every round doing it that way. But this one, we, if you had to be accurate, false fronts, ball yep. would roll off. I needed it down to the number. I was pulling that thing out. I'm it telling was, you. It was a lifesaver. Donnie Ross requires both the watch and the the laser finder just to hold those greens so if you if you if you're all set there check out the watch the, the v3 the g3 we know the g3 is gps only the v3 allows you to um, track all of those awesome stats and uh you know you can get it all at shotscope.com slash golficity guys so go definitely check them out for sure and if you do jump on the golficity leaderboard
yeah. want to see you guys on there. I think it's growing um, nice. So let's talk about this because consistency, it's such a big part of playing well. And there's nobody on earth. So first get this out of your mind. There's nobody on earth who's perfectly consistent. Even the best golfers hit bad shots once in a while. Even the best golfers go through slumps. So I want to first say that because uh, the key is, and I think a big part of staying with it and constantly improving is cutting yourself some slack. You've had a bad round. You've had a bad shot. No matter what preparation you go into to be more consistency, consistent, it happens. Mm-hmm. So first thing is kind of give yourself a little bit of slack mm-hmm. and know that. Now, with that said, there are things that we can do to constantly be working on being more consistent and as you become more consistent the scores get better and it may ebb and flow you may have a couple of weeks where you're super consistent you're shooting really low scores and you may slump a little bit where you're a little bit less consistent i think in those moments that's when you kind of go back to these tips as reminders so no matter what level of golf you're playing there's going to be something in here that we're going to talk about for everyone you may know it it may just be a reminder but we need those refreshers for our newer golfers these are some things that you can really work on and it's the stuff that we are personally looking on because we're after that consistency always right I'm always trying to get a little bit better so the first thing and this is one of the one of the ones that just really rings true with me it's something that i talked about here on the podcast before but it's just so important it's something that it's really it's new for me like I, I had not put as much weight into it as I do now. And that's just obsessing over balance in your swing. Obsess over you it. You gotta obsess over balance. And I, I it was not really a huge thought for me. A lot of times with 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 balance, it would just be whether I felt balanced, but not really honing in on it as part of my setup pre-shot routine. Mm-hmm. And we learned this also. It came down to our when we did our playing lesson uh with Tom from Crystal Springs from uh from Ledbetter Academy there. He would have us as part of our routine stand, you know, where as close as you can to the ball to simulate kind of the lie without affecting your lie mm-hmm. and take your practice swings. And he said, because the nice part is we got the benefit of playing the Crystal Springs track that is like there's not a it's like playing Pound Ridge. There's not a flat lie to be found out there. Right. And balance is one thing on a flat lie. Balance is something totally different on a golf course that has these undulations. So he would just say first to stand there naturally, kind of take your swing and just look at where the club wants to bottom out and think about it. Are you someone who tops the ball, hits the ball fat, whatever it may be? Think about how much your balance affects that. You know, as a righty golfer, if I start to shift my weight to my right side, the club will start to balance out further, mm-hmm. b- bottom out further back. And then as I shift that, that weight to my left side, it'll start to bottom out. Like you think about the uh, the golf uh, swing as this big circle in this arc. That arc is making contact with the ground in different places. That shows you how important balance is. Because when your balance is on, you're going to have that cleaner ball strike that you want. There's also forward and back balance. Um all these things affect your way, your, the, the ability to deliver that club to the ball. So by really getting a, a feel for it, what proper balance feels like, and being able to adjust to different stance, stances, different lies, will 100% make you a better ball striker. Yeah, and a quick tip that Sprecher has given us is as simple as jostling your feet to feel the earth beneath you, and that will just ensure that you're balanced because mm-hmm. you'll instantly feel out there if the weight is in the front of your toes or in the back of your toes, and then you can properly just adjust yourself to be balanced. And when you're balanced, like you said, then you can hit the sweet spot of the club even easier easier 
as opposed to being off balance, 100. therefore leading to cleaner strikes. 100. So it's something that you can work on in your practice sessions. You can work on your balance, but you can bring your awareness to it when you're out there playing and it will make you more consistent. If you have more consistent balance, you'll be able to play better. And you can even assess it after the shot. A bad shot, don't forget this, a bad shot's a learning lesson, is a, is a, a lesson in mm -hmm. itself. It's mm -hmm. an ability to learn. It's a chance to learn something. You could think about it after. Was I off balance? A good way to look at that is to hold your finish. And was your finish falling to one side or the other? You can kind of get an idea yeah. if you were off balance. Do you ever see those guys? I mean, they, they try to make a fool of themselves. I don't know if they're real or they're pretending, but they have an awkward lie where it's above them and they, they swing and they fall or they chunk. And it's like... Yeah. You know, when you get onto those shots, and we're faced with those a lot, even in Pinehurst, we had a lot below our feet, above our feet. It's important to do that same routine and get balance for those shots and like take those practice swings to the point where you know, like, I cannot fall over during this swing. Right. Then you know you're balanced and then get up and take your shot. Most people don't. They just get up, they're like, oh, above my feet, choke down and just go for it. But they still don't think about the balance. They forget about that. Right. And how about the fact of just making sure that you can stay within that balance? So there's going to be some shots that are going to be so staggered lies mm -hmm. that it's impossible to put a full steam 100% you know speed right. swing on it and maintain that balance there's one thing to be balanced standing there there's nothing to be balanced with this club head weight that's away from your body moving around shifting your balance so by taking those practice swings you can start to realize how hard can I swing and still maintain balance? And if you need a club up to get the ball to where you need to do it, you do it. Yeah. I was thinking with Tom Reynolds from Ledbetter in the middle of our lesson said to, um, to you, he was talking about, I think one shot, you had these three beautiful, crispy practice swings. Yeah. And then you got up and he said, that swing was completely different. Your real right. swing was went out the window. Right. You know, I know it's kind of we're drifting off topic here, but that just rung true and that can help with balance. 100%. And that was an example going back to like focusing on what you want to do, not what you don't want to do. Right. Because, yeah, my practice swings are good, but as soon as I got up there, all Everything I changed. thought about was yeah. don't decelerate. And I, I the swing was different. Yeah. It. So mm -hmm. that's what happens. Another thing is put the odds on your side. If you start to think oh, like of that. this mm -hmm. game as like almost like a math problem in your head. Every single shot you face is going to have a risk versus reward ratio. And if you find yourself always pegging yourself on the high risk, you know, sorry, spectrum, and you wonder why your scores are tough, high risk shots are not going to pay off nearly as much as low risk shots. But you got to find somewhere in that middle happy zone. So this is an example he had for you. And I was kind of witnessing this. You were kind of pushed off to the right, blocked out by trees. Yep. And he said, Think about the two ends of the spectrum of the risk here. Highest possible risk is trying to punch it through that whole line of trees at the at at the flag. Mm -hmm. Keeping it under the tree branches, just low enough, and you got to make sure you don't hit anything. He goes zero risk. The lowest is to literally take your pitching wedge, turn um, completely to the the left, and just you know pop it out 15 yards back in the fairway literally 90 degrees vertical so you're right. not moving towards the flag he goes but there's somewhere in between that's the right amount of risk to assume right and that's where you kind of look at that so when in doubt first of all if, if a shot is too risky when in doubt just keep that ball safe and don't compound the issue. Mm -hmm. So many of us will find ourselves, let's say it's a par four and we're blocked out on the right in the woods. And what will happen is we'll try to get so aggressive and try to get it towards that green that we hit a tree and now we're even further offline versus just putting it out in the fairway safely and then getting on that green in three and still giving yourself a chance, albeit a tougher one, at a one-putt par. Um, but really it's just about playing those 
those odds and understanding is this the type of shot and and one thing again that that and i learned so much in these lessons and, and each time we work with a different instructor it's great to get those different perspectives but one thing that tom kind of was keying in on is he said if you're in between two shots like you have the i could do this or i could do this he said always go with the one that you're more comfortable in yeah i like that just make that your i never listen but i like that right but just do it <laughs> and just make it so he and and that's an example it's like um i told him like i could i could try to hit it this way and really stretch this club out or i could or i could hit this and 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 possibly not have a much higher of a reward but it's much lower risk he's like which one are you more comfortable and like the second option hit that one yeah because yep. when you get uncomfortable you get inconsistent because you start to talk yourself out of it you think of the don'ts and all those types of things so i'm not in any way ever trying to get people to play super super conservative right this you can get too conservative where you can't score but what i'm trying to say is at least assess the situation. I like that. You know, and yep. and, and understand, yeah, understand just the risk it. you're taking. Right, right. And that's where you have to be smart. You're right. Yeah. You know, I mean, th- th- I, I always say to myself in those situations, like, if there's a chance that this can happen, I'm going to do it. <laughs> yeah. And that's the wrong way to think about it. But, uh, but I like it. Yeah. Assess the situation. It's a big one. And then another one would be really mastering those short putts. I know we, a lot of us, we work on our longer oh, This is so putts, important. But yeah. They oftentimes short putts don't get the the attention that they deserve because of the fact that we kind of like we're so focused on our first shot and we just kind of phone it in for those short ones or what we do and and listen I am not judging or everything because we're out there to have fun but how many times especially in a friendly round we pick up the short ones mm-hmm. somebody gives it to us hey that's good by me don't worry about it and it, it adds up we're picking up these two three footers right yeah of course I get it it happens but what happens is you never end up practicing it because you pick them up so much. And then when you're in a situation where you are playing for something that matters, handicap, a friendly game, a tournament, now it's like a knee knocker. Yeah. So mm-hmm. getting really comfortable with those short putts will a help your score. Cause the more you drain those short putts, the more you go away from those three putts. And secondly, the more confident you become that, Hey, I am I'm at a point where I'm deadly from three feet, which who who doesn't want to be that, right? If you get to that point, you can get to where you're so much more confident with your longer putts because now you know you don't have to be as hesitant because if you can get it in that three-foot circle, you know that's a shot that I've practiced. I can make that putt and and you can kind of go after it a little bit more. For sure, absolutely. Knowing that you're good in that short putt area, it's just like knowing that you're good with your wedge around the green allows you to go for more greens. It's right. the same concept. For me, I think short putts are the worst part of my putting game, and I think as your putting percentage goes down, meaning the further back from the hole you get, the pressure does come off. When you're standing over a 20-footer, you know in your mind that there's really low chances I'm going to make this. So you get up there, and odds are you hit a pretty good putt. When you're standing over a three-footer footer, and you know it's a 90% chance you know, my pressure starts to go up and I end up missing a lot of these because something just clicks in my head that just changes my approach to it that no, now I have to hit this putt because I'm so close, pressure's on and I end up pulling it or hit it too light. Or how many times, I mean, I'm guilty of this. How many times do you not give the same methodology to your putting on a short putt as you do on a long? Mm -hmm. So for example, on a long putt, we got a lot to look at. We're, we're walking around the hole. And, and this is something you'll see in that video we did with Tom. Where he did his three-step reading system, yeah. which is terrific. Terrific. Um, we'll do that on a 15-footer. But then what do we do to a three-footer? 
we just walk up, maybe walk glance up. behind it and putt it because we want to just be in and out. In and out. But but we don't give it the, the respect it deserves. We're not giving it the same read that we would have given, right? And you'll see quit the, on you'll it. See you'll see the PGA, exactly. And you'll see the PGA Tour pros even go up and mark the, the two-footer that's left that they just missed, the 10-footer the, the before that. And they'll mark it and they'll squat down and they'll re-look at the shot. Yeah. You know, and you're like, why is he doing that? Just knock it in. You know, but I understand there's well, different you know stakes and things like that. That's but what we should do. We should learn from that. Here's a mental exercise: pretend you're on the PGA Tour, and that putt, even though it's three foot, it's worth fifty thousand dollars. Might might now, help, right? I like that. Now you're going to really go after. So so that's it. And 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 being better at short putts is not something that happens by accident. It requires practice, like any other shot in this game. But if you get, if you put the practice in, and you put the work in, and you work on those short putts, and you become confident, now you've got something that's really a good part of your arsenal for scoring. Yeah. Can you imagine now, we, we all want to work on our drive and everything at the driving range, but think about this formula. If you told me that you, got, you were, did the work and became somebody who's super confident in five-foot putts, and now, after you've you've done that, you work on your chipping. Mm-hmm. Now, if you tell me that you're a person who can chip it close and you're deadly with your five foot putts, you're somebody who's going to score and win out there. Definitely, because Definitely. It, you know you get that ball anywhere around the green. You don't have to be hitting your all your greens in regulation in this case. If you can chip and get that five footer, you know, chip it within five feet and get that five footer down. Yeah, you know how many strokes happen to us usually from that <laughs> yeah, green lot. side mm-hmm. until that hole. Yeah, a lot. You know, that's where the strokes are happening. So, mm-hmm. I mean, if there's an area to focus, there it is. Yeah, big time. Another tip is use the big muscles in your body. When that really comes down to is taking your hands out of it and using your rotation, using your rotation. And this is something that I immediately expressed to Tom in our in our playing lesson. I said, hey, I'm, I know with my chips and stuff, I get a little too handsy. Anything that gets to be like a, what I would consult, consider more of a finesse shot, I get my hands involved. He's like, forget that. You're cons- you, can- you can't be ever be consistent playing golf getting handsy. He said, instead, keep those hands and everything still. Use them as an extension of your body and just rotate the body. A, a rotational, big muscles, you know, the, the back muscles, the abs, the, the, the upper legs, all those type of things that, that you use, the shoulders to rotate are all something that can create a much more repeatable motion than all those little muscles in the hands, wrists, and arms that, that you're trying to like, you know, work the ball with your hands. It just doesn't work. Yeah. I mean, what do I usually shout when I slice one instantly? I instantly look, look back and go, oh, I was all arms there. Right. I didn't get my hips. I didn't fire the hips through. I didn't use the big muscles. I just used the flailing of the, the arms. Yeah. You can't play golf like that. I always liken this. If anybody's played baseball and you pitch and you, you liken it to the same idea that if a, when a pitcher tries to use too much arm and steer the ball, especially this when you get unconfident, you're not as confident. That's when it's it's a disaster. Instead, even with pitching and throwing a ball, you're using those big muscles. Um, think about it, or, or a football. Mm-hmm. If you just try to throw a football just with your arm versus using the big muscles, the rotation of the body and the legs. Those are the types of things that are so much more repeatable, and it will end up making you a more consistent golfer yeah. versus trying to get the hands involved. 100%. And I know it's I know all the things that I'm talking about here are easier said than done, but it, again, it gives you things to check in with if you find yourself inconsistent. So check in with these things. Um, and I think the last tip and the, what would kind of be the most obvious, but also something that really has to be said, is just to keep showing up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So many of us, you know, are inconsistent, but we're we're not playing that often. 
And that's where you got to be a realist to a certain extent. Right. Golf is a very technically difficult sport. And if you're out there playing once a week, once a month, I mean, how can like really, really ask yourself, how consistent could you really be? You got to cut yourself some slack at that point. Yeah. And understand Expectations. like, right. Mm-hmm. Um, the most consistent players are players who are playing often. And mm-hmm. I understand not all of us get to play often. I get that. So it's more so understanding that. And if let's say you're leading up to an event that's important to you, you're playing in your local club championship or something like that. Know that in advance and try to put some, even if you're not somebody who gets to play golf often all year round, if you can put some time in those two, three weeks before and play a little bit more, whatever it may be. But that's one side of the coin. The other side of the coin is understanding that so that you don't give up. Too many people Mm -hmm. quit this game Uh because they they just, I don't know, it's just like they just aren't getting it's not clicking and they give up it it'll come you know that consistency is there but it's 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 something that's a slow growing process so stick with it and just keep showing up it's a it's really a game that requires a lot of reps yeah you know and it's 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 funny because now i could just brag about my proud dad moment i had my daughter eight-year-old yesterday her 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 lesson which is now starting to grow there's now five kids in the class when she started it was one she had a one-on-one for two weeks i was like this is cool but now she's got four other boys who showed up yesterday and they did all the swings if she's hitting the ball great she's always has but then when they go over to the putting green and mm-hmm. he sits over there for like an hour with these kids for on the putting green and he plays this game with them where he puts one line down and another line like 20 feet and he has all the kids stand on the line and he goes three two one putt and the person who's the furthest away from the furthest line picks up the ball and they have to go sit down yeah. and there's four left then there's three left there's two left my daughter it was 15, 14, 12, 9, and then my daughter was 8. And those four were boys. She won. Wow. And she won because the kids had no feel. They were blasting it past the line. They were hitting it two feet in front of them. But I've been working with her so much on the pendulum, the soft stroke. It's not a jab. You know, these kids, they go play mini golf. They just jab at the thing. I'm trying to teach her the stroke. And she's slowly every week getting better and better. A little bit. She's still, but a little bit. She's putting the reps in. She's putting the reps in. Yeah. And it's going to take a long time with an 8-year-old. but It is. But you she's know, doing the work that she the needs reps to do. do work because the, her putting is improving, and and that's just it. And it may you may have been very sharp at one time, and it got away because you're not putting the reps in. You know, it's something that you have to every once in a while revisit. I can't tell you how many really good golfers and instructors um, that we've talked to that if they're going to play in, in a local tournament or something like that, they will put the side the time aside. Um, leading up to it to, to get out there and play and practice more. Because yeah. like a lot of these guys, they're mm-hmm. instructing. It doesn't mean they're swinging clubs. They're out there teaching. Yeah. And they even know. I mean, they've, they're PGA professionals. They've reached a certain level. They're great golfers. Yeah. But in order to perform where they want to perform, they got to get sharp again, and it takes the reps and getting out there. It's funny you say that because at the end of it, now this is an eight-year-old. Think about the attention span. It was an hour and a half of this. I said, we're going to get in the car and go home because we're hungry. It's dinner time. But I mean, just wait like in a year from now or even six months from now, the minute you're done with this, you and I are going to go back to the range and hit at least 20 more balls before we go home. Mm -hmm. Like I'm really going to get it going. And she's like, okay, because now she's starting to love it. That's the other thing. When you start getting better at golf, you start to love it a little yeah, more. Yeah, And that also goes hand in hand. So No doubt. That can create more enjoyment. Reps, baby. Reps. Put those reps in. <laughs> Put those reps in. Um, all right. So that's all the tips we have. Those five tips. Hopefully they help you guys. And, and they, they're really something that, like I said, it's something that requires refocusing on often so check in with those every once in a while check in and make sure are you hitting all those boxes if there's something that you need to work on work on it uh if you've got anything that's 
particularly worked for you that we haven't mentioned here today that might be helping you play a little bit more consistent golf, let us know. If you're watching this on YouTube or on Facebook, drop it in the comments. Uh, if you're listening to us, you can drop it in the Facebook group, which you can go to uh, Facebook, search Golficity or the Golf Podcast. You'll find our group. It's a free and open group, and it's great because we get to uh, talk about these things there. And a lot of people have shared some really incredible tips right in that podcast group. hell yeah so keep sharing because we're all learning and we're going to all continue to learn this game together guys here's to playing more consistent golf get out there and play at least where we are the Cheers weather's finally turning mm-hmm. it's beautiful out there hope you guys are getting out and playing and we'll see everybody again next week <laughs>